makes this so interesting from like an innovations perspective is that similar to how like we as marketers look at like customer journeys, and there's all these different interaction points and like you can maybe define like your entry point and ideally like your core milestones. But there's all of these variables that come in and conversation design is kind of like that, where you're you're building all these like different routes, all these different possible ways for them to interact or for you to, to create experiences. It's very user driven. Welcome to Top of Mind, a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. Hey, Siri. Tell me more about the future of voice assistants. Unfortunately, I don't think any voice assistant would be able to help us out with that exact question, but our guest for today's episode sure will. As of recording this, there are over 90 million smart speakers in the U.S. alone, making the adoption rate of smart speakers over 34% of all households. And that doesn't even include our phones, which are now pretty much all voice enabled in one way or another. But despite such a high adoption rate, I hear very little about the voice industry or the direction it's going. So to help us understand the opportunities available to markers or creators interested in using conversational design or conversational AI as a channel to get their message out to the world, I'm joined by the head of marketing at VoiceFlow, Emily Lonetto. Thanks for joining the show, Emily. Thanks so much for having me. Before we hit recorded, I needed you to define a few industry terms and conversational design was the one that is the most high level and kind of encompasses all smart speakers, voice assistants, all the voice AI tools. And I think that's a really perfect description for it because it is all conversation based and you have to design the whole flow of it, which I had no idea how many routes you could really go. And when you think about it, like conversations are just like one of the most complex things ever. They can go any direction. It's crazy. Yeah. Like I think what what's so interesting is that like, especially in marketing where communication is so core to what we do, it's rare that we kind of take a moment to think about what are all the different stems? Like what are all of the different variants or just the dynamic changes that you get from if you were to pitch something to a person versus writing a campaign and fine tuning. And each one of those channels have like different variants, different contexts, different elements that you want to incorporate that lend better to them. And I think the broader term of conversation design is just bringing that in and broadening that to include chat multimodality, which is like chat and screens and voice, and then also just voice only. So like creating this new space to create these new inputs, these new channels for marketers like ourselves to really explore. So you would consider chat chatbots as they're kind of typically referred to uh, kind of that that would help you out and try and parse your language to understand what you need assistance wise that would kind of fall under conversational design as well. Yeah, absolutely. So like conversation design really at a top level is like chat and voice. So like text versus or not versus because they are complementary in a lot of cases, but text and, and also audio 
And now what we're seeing is just like that increase of different ways that people can access those or how they are embedded into existing platforms or are now breaking out to create their own platforms, which we're seeing more and more of. That's super cool. Is there a particular moment that you can recall where you saw a conversational assistant perform a task and you you kind of thought to yourself, oh, wow, this is this is really, really powerful? Yeah, like I think that there's like lots of moments. So like whenever you look at like an interface shift like we're experiencing right now and like previous examples of that could be like going from like the internet to mobile, but now we're going from uh, mobile and more like GUI interfaces. So graphic user interfaces into now GUI, which is voice user voice uh, user interfaces is I think when, when I look back on it, there, there's a few moments. I think like the first ones that I can think about from like a text space are like autofill. So like you look at like those simple commands that used to be like, look at like Google 1.0 versus now where people very often find themselves like typing in the first 25% of a search query. And it's like mostly correct or mostly ridiculous and entertaining. So like that, that I think is, is definitely one aspect of it. The next one being like smart articles and suggestions. So you think a little, a little bit more to like Zendesk or Intercom where it automatically plugs into your CMS and like pulls based on keywords. And then uh, I think for voice, for me at least, I, there's a big distinction from like the first time I got an Alexa, which was when it first came out. I want to say I, I got one in... I want to say like 2015, 2014. And at first I was like, cool, this is like a a large non-portable Bluetooth speaker. Like that's candidly like what I thought of it. And then it quickly evolved to like a year later, two years later, it's like this thing's running at home. Um, Mm. And the opportunity has like really kind of switched away from where I realized and caught myself that my habits had changed where I wasn't opening up my phone every morning to like check the weather. I was asking. Or like my alarms weren't on my phone anymore. They were on the devices around my house or my grocery list was as well. So there's aspects of that that I think are more like retrospective than me looking into the future and being like, oh, yeah, that's super cool. I can see that use. Mm -hmm. It seems like it's opening up the that what you explained is like interface where you're interfacing with the cloud or technology or however you want to define it. You're interfacing with the world of information in whatever mode makes the most sense in that, that moment. So if you're at your keyboard all day, it probably makes sense to just type it in quickly. But if you're standing up away from your computer or you don't like looking at like jumping on your phone, voice makes tons of sense, but they all three of them work together perfectly. Yeah, like I think what, what makes this so interesting from like an innovations perspective is that similar to how like we as marketers look at like customer journeys and there's all these different interaction points and like you can maybe define like your entry point and ideally like your core milestones, but there's all of these variables that come in. Like you don't know if that person is going to be like an email person or if they're going to be like an in-app person or things like that. And conversation design is kind of like that where you're, you're building all these like different routes, all these different possible ways for them to interact or for you to, to create experiences. And it's very user driven unlike with the confines of like a chat box where like you're limited to the buttons that are there or it's limited to a platform which only has X amount of options, the way that we expect conversations to flow are a lot more whatever we're thinking of in that moment and are very like also not linear. 
So even in this conversation, we'll find ourselves talking about a topic. We'll jump to something because it reminded us of something. And we'll be, be able to seamlessly come back and like have context that we already had a discussion. So like those complexities are now becoming expectations in how we think about these channels as well, which are like an interesting problem, but also one that I think is going to be really meaningful to solve when we look at communications. Do you see that solution coming from better designed apps or better ways of designing apps, which what VoiceFlow allows people to do? Or does it come from maybe, I don't know, some other <laughs> four, I don't know what the other ones would be. You're definitely closer to the problem than I am. Even though all this seems so new, these are all problems that come like every single time that we shift into a new uh, a new way of, of designing for an interface where I think that there's going to be pushes and we're going to see that from increased adoption from platforms. So from the consumer side, people are going to get more and more used to asking or buying these devices. Or I think like an interesting study even is like when you look at like college students, when they have that checklist where they go to residence now, like you now have like smart speakers on that. Like they Mm -hmm. want that when they go out there. And that was not something that you could even think about um, like even like five years ago, why would they need that? And then you look at just increased user adoption and innovation. So normally when you first start with something, it's like kind of out of the box. There's not a lot of exploration. You just kind of accept it as like, oh, this is what it does. This is what I'm going to do with it. Which is why like most people's adoption of voice or conversation design in that space is like asking Spotify to play something or ask for the weather. It's pretty simple. But as you get better with it, you start to demand more things, get more curious, get more excited. And companies tend to try to meet you there as well, where now they're like, oh, okay, the the user willingness to explore more has gone up. Therefore, we can do more and be met by user adoption. And I think that that pushes it up as well. And then just lastly, is also just like thinking about how these things meld together which create like a new fusion of an experience where you look at like Mac OS as an example, when it used to be really, really powerful in the MacBook, great. The second that they let it work seamlessly together between all of the devices, it became infinitely more powerful. Mm. So thinking about that as well from a channel perspective is really enticing. And this reminds me a lot of adoption of iPhone because in the first generation, I don't think it had the gyroscope or something like that. All the motion sensor wasn't quite as what we come to expect now, but imagine if they did release it with all the motion sensors and heart rate monitors and everything like that, no one would have understood that that was even useful. One of my favorite, I I can't remember where I read it, but someone uh, wrote a post saying that voice is kind of yet to have that the monkey ball game remember the monkey ball game for (laughs) iphone (laughs) super monkey ball i think it was where that app all of a sudden made people realize oh wow you can design games where right and yeah you tilt the device forward and backwards side to side and your monkey would roll along a a maze i think that release and they also allowed gps in the same release and the camera or something so those three things together all of a sudden Everyone's like, oh, I see why an app should exist on my phone now. And that kind of um, triggered the explosion of the app store that we see now where there's, I I don't know exactly how many there are, but chances are everyone has at least 20 apps on their phone. Do you see voice skills uh, and voice apps becoming as popular as as phone apps in the future? I think that 
in the same way that that you look at like just user adoption in general is like, and I, I love that you use the iPhone app store because I use that all the time as my example, just because like it went from the first use cases is play. So people were like, oh, here's just something fun to show off stuff. And the like the fake drink beer app. Yeah, the, the, the lighter. That, yeah, that was <laughs> the like so lightsaber. popular and did like nothing. And then like a good example of that is like them being like, oh, okay, here's something that is cool and exists on this device. Let me push the limits and like monkey ball. And then being like, okay, like it's not just good for games. Let me push the limits on like a different use case. You yeah. have categories. Yeah. yeah. And I think like with this and and what's interesting about it is that you're seeing kind of a similar shift where I I would bet that people's behavior of when they unbox to what they do with the device is going to change rapidly. But I would bet against it having the same type of influx of the number of applications or skills that are present on a device in the same way that a mobile device has like like I know for a fact, like I'm a victim of somebody who has like a hundred different apps on because I like want to try everything. I think that that's a limitation that comes from the platform for voice where with graphic interfaces and screens, it's so easy to consume and organize and understand where everything lives. But with voice or when you remove screens from that from that equation it is more like recalling and like memory and so i think it's going to be a lot more about habit building and the user going through the unboxing period realizing what are the habits and things they want to do with that device and enabling them and learning how to get those into their everyday speech but i think with the rise of screened voice devices we're going to see like a little bit of an influx there on, I would bet that screens are going to equal more apps. No screens are going to equal less apps, higher frequency. Let's talk a little bit more about recall that habit creation. What what are some of the best app developers that are using VoiceFlow doing to make that make their app accessible to the people that they're going after who would find this useful? So I think like a good early example of just like retention and recalling is like two things. So like as the first one is like invocation name is everything. And so what I mean by that is you have to have like an easy to say and easy to remember like name for your skill. Otherwise it's always going to be misheard. It's always going to be forgotten. And then that's your access. point. So I think like you'd be shocked at how many people think about the invocation name, like when they first start a project. And then like cannot for the life of them understand like why they didn't get the adoption they were looking for. Meanwhile, they chose a word that's like, for instance, like principle, which can be spelled like three different ways and like can be totally different context. So there's definitely things that people are doing there that are really interesting. And then I think the second one is also just like layering on like what I like to call like one degree of change in terms of habits. So change is really scary for people and adoption is always like an issue whenever you're trying anything new. So what I mean by one degree change is like looking at pre-existing habits that you're doing and challenging them by like one small change. And so like, that's a good reason or good example of how like playing music was a really easy change from, oh, I don't need to open up my phone, look up this thing, and then connect it to my speaker. I can just ask my speaker. Mm-hmm. Like that was a very easy change versus like perhaps enabling your news to tell you what's going on in the morning. 
So you normally open up your phone, try asking this device instead. So those are really simple ones. And you're seeing with, or at least what we've seen with creators on our platform that have done really well early on is they've taken like pre-existing habits that people have had and built experiences around them. So can you give me an like, example of a habit? Yeah. So like a, a really prime example one and always the audio experiences do very well on voice. Cause just like people's interpretation of that is so, is so strong, but good example is like, we have a creator named Nate Monk who in his spare time developed an app that is literally just sleep sounds. It's like to let you wind down at night, which everybody hopefully does. Um, and you play it before you go to bed. So it was like coupled with a period of time coupled with a use case that happens on a frequent basis and like doesn't require a lot of explanation. And for him, like it's gone from like a passion project to now something that generates like 2000, 3000 bucks a month, which is awesome as Mm -hmm. as like a core example. And then you look at like other creators as well, who've done things like recipe books or like checkers where they target people who have their devices in core rooms. And most of those devices are like kitchen, living room and bedroom. So like, those are also like good bets on creating like habitual, habitual apps that people already could potentially benefit from. Oh, that's super interesting. Thinking about the place where people are and what habits they do in that room. Oh, that's very interesting. And you can totally just ideate from that for hours, just about all the things that you do in a day, what you ask your friend, your partner, your coworkers, anything. Like I, I always like run through the exercise of trying to figure out, like run through your daily routine, try to challenge and like, it's going to be really awkward the first time, but like try to like go through the process of like, if you could totally replace the devices or like detach yourself from the normal devices that you have and really just think about what are the goals or the things that you try to accomplish every day, then try to redo them. Like what could you do? There's going to be certain things that are going to be really easy to kind of make that context switch. And they're going to be ones that are going to require a little bit more work. So especially if you're like considering playing around with the interface or playing around with an idea, like latch on with yourself first and try to see like, what are the things that would benefit you? Because it'll help to provide you context in what you're building and will probably help to spirit other ideas. And what I didn't know until I came across VoiceFlow is anyone can make uh, a skill or an app for your smart speaker, which blew me away that it's totally open market, just like the Apple App Store in a lot of senses, actually probably lower barrier to entry because they're still hope it, they want people to join the ecosystem, but you can use voice flow and with very, uh, actually no coding experience are able to piece together an experiment and try and build out a skill, which just blew me away. And when I started playing around with voice flow, I was, I was amazed by how the complexity increases with every little thing you want to add. So that idea of the person wanting to do soundscapes and wind down at the end of the night, if they wanted to add another component to it, it's complex. But once you figure out how to design it, it actually is very easy on your platform to do that. Yeah. Like I think that our our thesis has always been to really empower anybody to be able to like take away that cost barrier, take away the barrier to entry, take away this idea of having to learn a whole new language for some and really provide them with the tools to basically just play around, test and 
ideally build these new use cases because that's how all of this innovation happens. And the adoption right now for this whole industry is so bent on that. It's so set on this like communal wave of people sharing ideas, sharing skill sets, and like being in the design tool space. It's so exciting for us to see that, which is why we've been, especially from like a marketing and growth perspective, so invested in our community and kind of seeing what our creators are building because it's the best possible way for us to gauge kind of who's pushing the boundaries, like what are those templates, what are those like individual blocks that we're creating in our tool that enable people like ourselves or people who maybe even be designers and developers for different interfaces to come on really easily and start building um, immediately. So let's let's take it from a, a marketing angle now. Let's say you do create an app and you want to get it out in the world and have people start using it. How would you uh, approach that problem to begin distributing your app once it exists? Yeah, so this is this is such an interesting topic that is super hot right now because like much like any new interfaces, there's so many variables, there's so many different ways that people are trying to get noticed or or figure things out. And it doesn't take long for you to Google around to realize that voice SEO is not really as much of a thing or as, as established as, uh, as you can imagine it is with mm. the web. But I think this is actually a really interesting problem that marketers should be thinking about right now, because there's a huge space for it where the, the way that I always actually approach this is like almost platform agnostic. Where like the same way that if you built a brand new product, the same way that if you built a brand new blog post or there's something that you wanted to push traffic to, like a marketer knows how to immediately build a playbook around that to mitigate their content and push it out. But it's the same here. And if anything, it's one of those opportunities that the people who do that really, really well by either A, leveraging if they do have their own audience, their own distribution list and pushing through that, or B, just finding the crazy vibrant communities, whether it's on like Reddit, there's a million on Facebook, including our own. There's like actual like independent marketplaces that people are pushing these things to as well. Like there's loads of ways that you can find that traffic, both by your own internal list, but also just taking a page out of your like taking a page out of marketing foundations and really putting that in there. Mm-hmm. Because I think like the interesting problem set here is there there's kind of this this interesting cadence that we're in right now where Google and Alexa are where people go and search or where they launch their apps right now. But much like with the internet, it wasn't indexable or searchable until Google came around and did that. And right now we don't really have a Google for like voice applications, which leaves a very interesting gap on, is that gonna be solved by the companies themselves where we optimize those pages? Or is it going to be solved by a third party? Or is this going to be more of a community effort where it's like the marketing team that does this the best or the marketing person who builds this playbook is going to win how people launch? And you're seeing angles from all over the place trying to compete to see what that looks like. Forgive me if I, I this is totally an ignorant question, but do you need to download or install apps on your voice device before you can use it? Or can it, if you use the right trigger word, can it? Does it immediately work? 
So in most cases, it's always an opt-in. There's going to be some cases where with some devices they'll come preloaded with certain with certain applications, but that's normally like your very large company ones. Right. But as an independent developer, what you're really trying to get is someone to enable your skill or enable your enable your action. So in those cases, what you're really trying to do is get somebody to say a phrase to download or activate your to download or activate your experience. Mm-hmm. What we have seen on the platform side, however, is definitely like a bunch of tools that are helping with that. So helping with the discovery, we have, let's say, like suggestions that come up. So there's like a roulette system that kind of goes all the time. But there's also like if I say something along the lines of, let's say, a category. So in this case, let's say like, I'm like, oh, like I'm looking for recipes. And they're like, oh, have you considered trying X? Mm. And like, that's one way of getting it. And there's also also custom invocation, which is something that I think more and more people are, are looking at, which is I, ideally in the future, having an opportunity where we don't have to say like Alexa, enable blank. Instead, we can kind of skip that and the invocation can be the actual name of what we're trying to do. So like open Marquette as an example, if mm-hmm. we want. And then also lastly, just like cards, links and like open URLs. So in the same way that like, if you hit like a mobile experience on desktop and they're like, oh, this is only enabled for mobile. They're like, send this to my phone. And then it seamlessly does that. You open it. So also enabling tools like that, where you can benefit from all of uh, the traffic ranking, everything you would get from the web but it has like an open link directly to that skill. So it makes it a lot easier to track, which is something that marketers are always looking for. Yeah. <laughs> um, and links are like the most powerful thing on the internet. So it's always good to have those things. <laughs> yeah, I want to build off your idea of using those complementary channels to get people to know about and then very easily enable your app. It seems like content of any type, whether it's... Uh, mobile specific or it's desktop or it's video like it doesn't it that seems to me that it doesn't need to be any it could be anything and as long as you're offering some complementary value add of some sort whether it's education or kind of inspiration and then the call to action at the bottom is oh and by the way this is automatically on your alexa just say this it seems like a very a very smooth transition as we were saying like interfacing between experiences like it, it's very context driven. So like the there's steps that are interesting considerations that we've learned to kind of forget when we're doing traditional digital marketing, where if you look at your designing or let's say marketing a web app or a mobile device, like we know that like the basis is like very rarely are they on desktop. So like they're on laptops, they could be in like a cafe, a workplace or at home now more likely at home. Um, and in those situations, you know, the screen size, you know, like on average, what it's going to look like in terms of how much of their screen. And you're not thinking about anything really else. It's just dominating the pixels on that screen. And with your mobile device, like you might also have that additional, um, step of, oh, my icon needs to stand out and I want to ideally make it to first page. So there's like slightly different variations there with voice and conversation experiences, like you kind of hit on earlier with what's interesting on like, you got to focus on like living room. Is it bedroom? Is it what time of day is it? Like what is it a screen device? Is it not a screen device? Because that also changes like what you can, what you can possibly do with the user. And I think with like building up all of that context, 
you could drastically increase your conversion. And I think timing is also really important with that. So like a, a good example that I would challenge you, like next time you order a Domino's pizza, which like probably will happen statistically. Yeah, uh, <laughs> very it, much sooner than you think. <laughs> is like, I think the, their tech team is brilliant. Like hands down, like un, just like an unbelievable team for some reason. And if you order a pizza now and it has their, that brilliant tracker that they have, Right below, it always it gives you two options. It says, send me an SMS when they're two minutes away or track my progress on Alexa. And having that level of like context and knowledge that like I just ordered a pizza, it knows my address, my consumer device is probably in my home because it's definitely plugged into a wall. And now it's also connected in with this app. It's telling me to basically enable this app with the core goal of knowing when my pizza is coming. So it's a very complete cycle. And like that intent and that context is something that's going to be really exciting for marketers to really think about and how they can weave people into these new channels. And now potentially I can get promos through that if I try ordering through it in the future or things like that. Like their goals can change with what they want me to do with that experience after I've already had my point of entry. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned intent, context, and then kind of end, end, end result. Are there any other segments that we should be considering in in that conversational design, or from a marketing perspective, understanding what what that person needs from you? Yeah. So I I think it's also like it is very like you have to consider the audience in like a really strong way as well. Where like this is one of those use cases where voice has a lot of really young users and also a lot of really old users. So you you have definitely this like tide of people who are the typical, the typical kind of like 20 to like 40 year old, 50 year old kind of group, but you have this like subset that is so high on both kids and in more older generations that it also kind of changes how you can target people, what experiences you can build and what that looks like. And I think that's a huge reason why you're seeing a huge boom in like entertainment, children's education, all of those things with with voice skills, as well as like diagnostic stuff, assistance, but in like way more of like an everyday life type of reminder way that also play into a huge opportunity. And I think as well, what we're going to see more and more of is also people categorizing building for like an individual, like one-to-one experience versus like a one-to-many Because unlike a laptop or a phone where only one user can really be the input with an Alexa uh, or like a Google Assistant device, things like that, anybody within a sound radius can control that. So it opens up the room to a different way of communicating or a different way of interacting. Um, That's also quite interesting. And they do have it that it can be voice detective, right? Like the, yeah. it, they're able to differentiate between you or me if we were sharing the same device. Which is honestly, like, I think what, one of the, the most interesting and kind of entertaining features that I find in it, because you can voice train it. Like it, it is learning. And I think for that reason, it, it becomes really, really interesting to see like how many more data, data samples are they going to need in order to be able to, to make that really, really sound. You're seeing like banks already doing that with voice identification, skipping all these awkward, like, tell me your mother made a name questions. Right. Instead, you're just saying sentences. And like, you're also seeing that with just like user permissions. So being able to have an owner that has a priority 
over someone else that's a guest in the house is also like an interesting dynamic, but is one that could be potentially useful in building experiences. Um, I know that firsthand because I own the devices in our house and my partner, uh, Josh, does not uh, nearly have as much control over them. <laughs> Please turn on the lights. I can't do that. I'm sorry. That becomes very <laughs> 2001 Space Oddity style. Oh, that's awesome, Emily. Thank you so much for uh, letting us go deep on on voice design and conversational design. I, I really didn't know anything about the industry until coming across VoiceFlow and then following your content there. But you guys do a really great job at explaining uh, what's going on and then supporting your community. Like you said, you've got a massive amount of developers who are using your system daily, but then you also have the, the the business units who are trying to figure out how voice plays into their overall strategy. So if, if someone was interested in joining the group that you have there, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so you can join our community. Uh, it's just bit.ly slash VF community. Or you can find us on Facebook just by looking up Voiceflow Community. We've got just under 8,000 designers, developers, indie makers, all talking and actively sharing things that they're working on. So highly recommend that. Or you can get started. We we do have a free plan. Um, so if you're curious about playing around or launching a few skills, you can do that at voiceflow.com. It's really easy to use. I've done it. I picked it up. And within sort of 40 minutes of playing around, I had a basic thing that totally totally worked and it plays it back to you. So if, it, if nothing else, you just get to play with an AI for a little bit, which is fun. Last question for you, Emily. Uh, with Obviously, you're seeing tons of ideas and you're living your life. What What's the app in your head that you would love to build? That I would love to build. I mean, this is going to sound so boring now that I'm saying it, but I feel like it's because it's a utility. Um, like I would love to have like my own personal like dashboard skill that I can plug into like my mixed panel to my Google Analytics to like my bear metric and then just be able to ask like, oh, how many users are we at today? Or like, what are those things? Because I'm so tired of going to buy bookmarks tool and querying that every single time. Sounds boring, but it's useful. It could even just be as simple as saying, like, <laughs> how are we doing today? And then it would just read exactly. off your three biggest KPIs or something like that. And like, I think like the, those types of use cases, the ones that are like user driven that they can plug in are really exciting to me. I'm like excited to, to see more people building what I like to call like skeletal apps that are basically like these like blanket apps that you can plug in whatever experiences that you want into. Kind of like Zapier would be kind of the, the, the GUI version, right? Or you can plug in all these apps together if I'm getting the lingo right. Yeah, I, I would say it's like, it's almost like what Apple is doing with routine or sorry, Alexa is doing with routines and, and Apple's doing with shortcuts. I think like there there's definitely room for that. And I'm curious about like just increased customization in what these apps can look like. I'm very excited for the future. Thank you so much for joining me, Emily. No problem. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. 
So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.